Good morning. We're going to read the entirety of chapter 6. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling and with sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord, and whether he is a bond servant or is free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening by my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change, and I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So, now that you also may know that I am and what I am doing, Tychius, the beloved father and faithful minister in the Lord, will help you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose. You may know how we are and that we are, may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers in love with the faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. You may be seated. We're going to be in verse 16 primarily this morning. Before we dive in, I'm going to ask if you would to join me in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we praise you today that your dominion is an everlasting dominion. Your kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And you do according to your will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain your hand. Now, Father, I pray we would remember that truth. No one can restrain your hand. You are mighty, you're all-powerful, all your ways are truth, you are righteous and just. We thank you this morning for being our shield, for guarding us, for protecting us, for being our refuge, for being our strong tower. We pray this morning that you would help us to take up this shield of faith that you've provided for us. Open our eyes to see the effectiveness of the shield in battle. And remind us that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The series that we find ourselves right in the middle of 
It's titled, Equipped for Battle. Subtitled, Reliance Upon the Lord for Daily Living. Reliance Upon the Lord for Daily Living. I believe a good number of you here desire to be equipped for the battle before you. You desire that. You want to rely upon the Lord for daily living. I believe that I'm preaching the word this morning to a group of people who want that in their lives. The challenge comes each day as you put feet to your faith, that expression, putting feet to your faith, as you translate your knowing into living, your belief into behavior, the walking it out, as it's oftentimes referred to. Do you find it as much of a challenge as I do? It's hard, isn't it? It's difficult. It's not easy. Derek Prime, in his book, Directions for Christian Living, the book is really an introduction to Christian discipleship. And he writes, I believe, a very helpful chapter in this book on how the believer in Jesus can become aware of and do effective battle against the temptations that one faces daily. See, if you're going to engage in the battle that's spoken of right here in Ephesians chapter 6, you need to have some kind of handle, some grasp on how to deal with temptations when they come. And Prime in his chapter titled, Be Prepared for Battle. He lists five requirements to cope with or to, to win when temptations come. These were five that I believe were very helpful for me personally. Five that actually tie into what we've talked about in Ephesians 6. May be helpful to jot these down. I believe they would be helpful to you as well. The first one is honesty. Honesty. When we're dealing with temptations, honesty is one of the first things. And asking yourself, what are my principal temptations? And how far do I bring these temptations upon myself? You might recall a few weeks ago we were talking about putting on this belt of truth. And as we were talking about the belt of truth, we spoke of this very thing, didn't we? Honesty. This belt of truth speaks to honesty. And I was reminded there of Genesis 39 in the story of Joseph. You remember when he's confronted with Potiphar's wife? And there came a day when he walked in and she literally took him by the shoulder made her invitation once more. And Joseph says to her, how could I do such a thing and sin against God? You see, there's a sense of honesty in Joseph. If there was ever a time for Joseph to be dishonest, it would have been that time alone in the room with Potiphar's wife. But he's honest, and he realizes that his sin is first and foremost an affront against the God that he serves. Honesty. Second piece is knowledge. Knowledge. There are truths that we must understand. If we are going to be effective to fight temptation, we must, church, have some knowledge of this word. 
And we'll get to this here in a couple weeks, talking about the sword of the Spirit. Do you know the Lord? Do you know His Word? Is His Word in you? We spoke of the breastplate of righteousness. And on one hand, established this right standing. Being right with God assumes you have some knowledge of God, some understanding of who He is, some understanding of His character, His nature, how He operates. You know His Word. It's in you. The proverb writer says in chapter 9, verse 10, that not only the fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom, but what? Knowledge of the Holy One is what? Understanding. That, that song, Knowing You, remember that? Knowing You, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're my joy. Is knowing Jesus your greatest pursuit? Knowing Him. There's a third piece. This readiness for drastic action. Readiness for drastic action. Fighting temptation. We've got to be ready. In Mark chapter 9 verse 43 and following. Jesus is speaking. About some different parts of the body. In some different arenas in which we may struggle. And, and sin. Have, have an aptitude toward sinning. He says this. He says three different things. He says if your hand causes you to sin, what's he say to do? Cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. And he says if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Same terminology. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell. Prime in this chapter, he says, if we find situations too tough to handle, the answers may not be medical. This was so, so helpful. The answers may not be medical, but surgical. Understand the difference. When sometimes we go to the doctor's office and we've got something wrong we've got something happening and the doctor may give us a a patch if you will sort of just to kind of help us get over the hump something that's just going to serve as a helpful tool it may not actually take care of the the root problem that would be surgical the surgical terms are what's used by Jesus in Mark chapter 9 cut it out pluck it get rid of it that's what he's talking about. Sometimes we find situations too tough to handle. The answers may not be medical. And I'm, I'm afraid, church, that's what we've done. Is we've just taken some kind of medical approach to it. Let's just see if we can cover it here, cover it here. Cover it. What about repent? When we talk about repent of our sin, what are we doing when we repent of our sin? Are we simply just putting a patch over it so that it one day will pop up again? Or are we turning from it, turning to God and walking a life now that's befitting a repentant life? It's a surgical approach that we need. Pluck it out, cut it off. Readiness for drastic action is connected to what we talked about last week. Those shoes, the shoes shot our feet with what? Readiness, with preparation. Preparation given to us by the gospel of peace. Number four is this exercise of faith. In dealing with temptations, fighting temptations, exercising faith. Is significant. Looking to God for help. If we're just looking to God for help. Hebrew writer chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly. How, how do we come? 
boldly. We come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Isn't that a great verse? We, we can come boldly because of what Christ did. Remember the temple veil, that symbolic nature of now we have gained access. Having been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and have access to come boldly. We've been given access that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let me ask you a question. In your time of need, where do you turn? Where do you turn in your time of need? Are you more inclined to search Google or seek God? We do a nice job, I think, of, of we, we know where our search engines are. Do we know where to find the Lord? Do we know how to call upon his name? When you need help in this life, where are you turning? Are you turning your eyes toward Jesus, the song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Or are you trying to solve things always on your own? As you look into God's armor today in Ephesians 6, 16, you're going to see the need to take up this shield of faith. It serves as your covering in the battle, this protection against the enemy of your soul. Well, there's a fifth one that we'll add here, and it's watchfulness. Watchfulness. You see, fighting temptations, overcoming sinful patterns, the evil one does not take no lightly. He's not easily convinced. That's why the Bible calls us to be watchful, to be alert, to be ready, to know what his schemes are. He's going to be on the lookout for a weakness in your life. Think about this for just a moment. Like an enemy on the outside of the wall. Picture this. An enemy on the outside of the wall. He's looking for a way to breach the wall. And infiltrate then every compartment of your life. Remember what he's looking for. He's looking for a foothold. That's what he's looking for in your life. A place to gain entrance, gain access into your life. I found those very helpful as we're talking about dealing with temptation and fighting this battle. Honesty. Looking at, at, at this whole idea of knowledge and, and knowing him and, and having a readiness for drastic action and exercising our faith and being watchful at all times. Those are very helpful, church. The text today is centering on faith and in particular, the shield of faith. And it's another piece of God's armor to put on. Just as you've been given a belt to tighten around your waist and you've been given a breastplate to put on, you've been given shoes to put on with readiness that's given to you by the gospel of peace, you've also been given a shield of faith in this battle. And I praise God, he's given us a shield of faith. It serves as a wonderful help. What is the purpose for the shield in battle? When you think about a shield, and you think about it in battle situation, what is the purpose for the shield? Well, the shield that Paul is speaking of would be characteristic of a heavy infantrymen. There are two main shields in battle. There's this circular shield, which was attached to the forearm. You might have seen pictures. 
The shield is attached to the forearm in one hand, and in the other hand he has a what, young man? What's he have? He has a sword. He's fighting. And with this hand he's blocking. And he's fighting. And he's blocking. This particular shield is oftentimes used in hand-to-hand combat situation, right? A circular shield. It's a smaller shield. The shield that Paul is speaking of here in Ephesians 6 is the oblong-shaped shield, the phoreos is the word. It's, it's larger than the circular shield. It measured uh, some four feet. I, and last night I found out that Elena was the, about the perfect example of a four-foot shield. It was great. And if you have a four-foot shield, it would have served the purpose of protecting pretty much the entirety of the soldier, especially in a, in a knelt-down position. About two and a half feet wide, four foot in length. And typically these shields were made of leather, supported on the exterior by iron. And these shields were made most effective by soaking them in water. Listen, uh, Kistemaker, as he's writing his commentary, he, he gives some specific detail of this. Uh, the effectiveness of such a shield in battle. He says, it was a kind of door for protection against enemy missiles dipped in pitch or similar material, uh, material and set on fire before being discharged. You get the picture. These arrows are being sent into the air and they're being lit just before they take off. They're on fire. These arrows are on fire. When these darts collided with the shields that were wet... The arrows were blunted, and oftentimes the fire was extinguished, put out, on contact. So think about a group of soldiers carrying these shields, a group of soldiers carrying these shields. When crouched down, the shields would serve literally to protect their entire body. And a whole group of soldiers could form a shielded barrier against oncoming flaming arrows. Rendering them essentially ineffective. Soldiers without their shields were hit. Fires were started. Damage was done. Both to the individual hit and those in close proximity. Soldiers with shields typically guarded close by in battle situation... These soldiers who had these big, long shields oftentimes had flanked nearby archers. And so the archers, offensive, they would be firing. And they would fire behind the protective cover of these shields. The text says, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. That, that phrase, above all, is, is, is best rendered, I believe, in every circumstance or in addition to the previous pieces of armor. Not above all as though the most significant piece of armor, but I, I like the RSV rendering. I believe it's probably the most accurate. Besides all these. So, so Paul here is giving us a list of things. He's already given us three pieces. This is the fourth piece of the armor. 
In addition, taking up the shield of faith. This shield you are called to take up in the spiritual battle is a shield of faith. And remember, this armor of God is intended to make a difference in the way we live our lives here on earth. In these evil days. This armor is fitted exclusively for the Christian. And it is specific for daily use against the schemes of the evil one. Daily use. So for clarity's sake, let's be sure we understand this piece of armor. We are speaking of faith necessary for daily living. We're called to, in the Bible, embrace the faith, which oftentimes speaks of the gospel truth. The text, though, would have us live out the faith, not simply acknowledge it and have it stored right up here, or even have us know it in our heart. But to live this out, to walk this. As Christians, we are called to walk by what? By faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And I was, uh, I was drawn to that passage in Habakkuk chapter 4, which seems to be the source of many of the New Testament writers. When he pins these familiar words, he says, The righteous or the just shall live by his faith. The righteous shall live by his faith. That's the way he's to live. We need to understand that faith always has an object, church. People today have faith in something, someone. It's always interesting to find out the object of their faith. And the object of the faith being described here in Ephesians chapter 6 is... God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved, the Bible says, by grace through what? Through faith. And that not of our own. It's a gift. One writer says this about faith and helping us understand the significance of this faith. He says, faith is only as reliable and helpful as the trustworthiness of its object. Think about that. Faith is only as reliable and helpful as the trustworthiness of its object. And Christian faith is powerful and effective, listen, because the object of faith, Jesus Christ, is infinitely powerful and absolutely dependable. He says Christian faith never fails because the one in whom that faith is placed never fails. Never fails. Because the object of our faith never fails. Christ. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that good news? It's fitting, I believe, that the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness have already been described. The breastplate speaks of our standing in Christ. But it also involves a genuine call to holiness. We talked about that. Having shot our feet with readiness given to us by the gospel of peace. Having this peace with God. We are in position to effectively take up the shield of faith. And the shield serves as our protection, our sure defense, our covering in the battle. And we have before us in the text a wonderful promise connected to this shield of faith. I hope and pray that you see this this morning. 
It says, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. I believe we've skipped over this phrase too often. The word says that taking up this shield of faith, you will be able. Four words. You will be able. That's encouraging to me as I read the word. Taking up this shield of faith... You will be able. It seems to put forward a confidence that we can have in Christ, the object of our faith. Our standing in Christ, the object of our faith. When we are taking this shield of faith in battle, we are fighting, church, on solid ground. We're trusting firmly that God has us protected. We are dependent upon him to cover us in the front, to cover us behind, to cover us to the left, to cover us to the right. In fact, Psalm 125 verse 2 has that picture even in mind. As the mountains surround Jerusalem. Do you picture that for a moment? You know the mountains in Jerusalem? You, mean that, you see the, a, a lovely picture of Jerusalem. You see the mountains surrounding Jerusalem. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. From this time forth and forevermore. Psalm 18.30 says, as for God, his way is perfect The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who put their trust in him. Proverbs 30 has kind of the same idea. Verse 5, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Who put their faith in him. Whose object, the object of your faith, if it's Christ, he serves as a shield in your life, in your daily living. You know, some of you have gone through periods of your life and perhaps right now you find yourself in a particularly muddy place. Where you just don't feel like you're able to deal with what's happening anymore. You're feeling like you just can't continue. Like like things need to change or else. You're considering options to get out of whatever you're currently in. I want to call you to attention this morning to take up the shield of faith, friends. With this shield, you will be able, you will be able to quench the fiery darts coming your way. That's the promise of God's word. You will be able. I hope you all hear that this morning. Because I'm reading that this week. That was such good news. You will be able. With this shield of faith. With this piece of armor. God's given to you. You will be able. Last I checked in his word. God's pretty good at fighting battles for us. You read through the Old Testament. And you see time, time, time again. How God showed up and the people didn't even have to fight. In fact, the people were told just to stand. That sounds familiar. Ephesians 6, stand. God's resume of fighting battles. I've not seen him lose one. You will be able. The shield of faith is needed, church. In this spiritual battle. 
See, you are called in verse 10. This goes back. We, we can back up to verse 10. You, you're called to be continually strengthened in the Lord, right? And in the power of his might. Why? Because you have an enemy who is relentless. He's relentless. He's working on limited time. And he's on the lookout to inflict as much damage as he can in the process. And if you're here today in Christ, you are a target of his. Now, I don't say that to frighten you. I do say it to awaken you. Some of you are walking daily without taking up this shield of faith. Consider, please, how easy of a target you are to the evil one. When you do not take up this shield of faith. This shield of faith is a shield of reliance, trust, no shield, and you are essentially operating on your own in the battlefield. A spiritual minefield awaits you. You're treading in dangerous territory when you think that by your own power, you can effectively defeat the evil one and counter his attacks. Church, there's a reason God has given to you all the pieces of this armor. There's a reason. Each one is needed to stand in this battle. He's given to you all the pieces necessary for standing in the evil day. Our all-knowing and all-wise God knows what it takes to stand. The Bible says that he is the author and perfecter of faith. He knows. He's gone before us. He stood that day when the evil one came his way on the heels of that 40-day fast. Do you remember? He's coming your way too. He has already come your way. And he will continue to come your way. He's like that lion. That's, that's the picture Peter paints for us. Chapter 5. He's like a lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. Not just nibble on, but to devour See, when you have no shield in place, you are a sitting target for the arrows of the evil one. With the shield of faith, you will be able to quench or extinguish, put out these fiery darts. Listen, all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That's what the text says. Taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench. How many? All of them. All of them. You will be able to quench, extinguish all of them. That also is good news. And we keep reading. All the fiery darts. All, all, these, all these fiery darts. You might be inclined to wonder as you're thinking about what this verse says. What are these fiery darts that are coming from the wicked one? You know, there's translations abound on, on the, the, the idea here of the, the fiery darts. The ESV says flaming darts. NIV, I think, has flaming arrows. Is that, is that what the NIV has? I think maybe flaming arrows. And NASB is probably my favorite, the flaming missiles. 
You know, many of us today, I think, are inclined to think of it as a dart. I know I do. When I read the text and I think of a dart, I usually think of what, what the boys have. You know, they have these Nerf guns. And they got darts. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's not all that scary. And then I think about flaming arrow. And that, that, that raises the bar a little bit. It's a little more intimidating. But then I think about the NASB. I love it. Flaming missiles. That gets my attention. A flaming missile. Picture what's coming as a flaming missile. A flaming missile does great damage. It has in battle terminology a very large splash effect, does it not? A flaming missile. So what forms do these flaming missiles take in your life? I think that's probably a practical question that's helpful to ask. I'd like to give you a few examples. For those of you uh, men that took part in our study several months ago. We read through Mr. Bridges' book on respectable sins. Many of what I'm about to share with you come just right out of chapters in his book. And you can add to this, this is, there's no magic formula list to this. This is just a starter list is all it is. I'm sure you can add more to the list. But what are these flaming missiles coming? What forms do they take? Let's work through a few of them. I believe that some of these missiles that come take the form of helping you seeing that you would become ungodly. These missiles come to affect your thoughts. How do we counter that? Well, the Word of God says that we're to take captive our thoughts, aren't we? These missiles are coming to get you to think about, get you to turn away from something other than God, to get your mind thinking about something other than Christ. And here here soon we're going to be talking about this helmet of salvation. Another missile that may come your way is this missile that would manifest itself in, in your anxiety. You worrying about stuff. Anybody here worry about things? Huh? Anybody? Nobody, just me. Okay, good. Worry, anxiety. How about the missile of frustration? Sending a missile to see that you are not getting your way about something. And so the way that you handle that, you get frustrated. And perhaps we don't see frustration as sin, but frustration manifests itself, doesn't it? And it can lead to some other things. The missile that might lead you to be discontent, not getting what you want. A missile that might come that that would send a, a message to disregard all that God has blessed you with. This missile that's going to result in you being an unthankful person. There's one of his favorite missiles. It's the missile that would lead to pride. This missile that would encourage you to just take control of everything. To just keep your eyes focused on self. This missile that leads to selfishness. There's a missile that comes. 
And it calls you then to indulge in all that the world has to offer, whereby then you become one who lacks self-control. There's a missile that comes that causes you not to want to wait on other people, whereby you become too concerned with your own agenda. You become impatient. Anybody ever been there? There's the missile that might come that leads to your, I believe, lack of effectiveness for the Lord. And that is something as simple as affecting your sleep patterns. The missile that would come to see that you're weary, that you're tired physically. The term for that is then what flows out of that is oftentimes irritability. Not having proper rest. You become irritable. There's another missile that comes and this particular missile would desire that you would raise your voice in a very loud manner. Perhaps even taking physical action to assert yourself. It's called anger. The missile of anger. Oh, the evil one loves that one. There's a missile that comes, manifests itself in our lives by how we always are comparing ourselves with other people. And we're always, we're always throwing stones at someone else. This, this idea of judgmentalism. There's the missile of jealousy and, and envy that, that, that gets rooted This idea of the jealousy is really more of what's brewing on the inside towards someone or something. Someone has something we want and it's more of an inside thing. But the envy can manifest itself in such a way where we become spiteful even to injuring that other person because it's something we want we don't have connected to discontentment. There's the missile of inappropriate language. Oh, church... If we are going to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, we, must, we need to maybe go back and read James chapter 3, the first 12 verses again. We need to maybe read the Proverbs again because the Proverbs speak to this very clearly. Our tongue, our speech. Making sure we are not gossiping. Making sure we're not slandering. Tearing down others with our tongue. There's a missile that comes all the time and would desire that we use our tongues for His glory and not the Lord's glory. There's the missile of worldliness, which serves as that unlimited menu. Lures abound in this world to sidetrack you from walking in the light. And then there's, I believe, one of his favorite missiles that he sends today in our culture, in our world, to the church, to the believer. He sends this missile. Okay, I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about the world here, I'm talking about those in the church. It's the missile that leads to immorality. Pornography. The fulfillment of the flesh. And this particular missile is an example of taking something God intends for good. In the Bible, we see God intends for that intimate relationship to be good in what boundary? The marriage relationship, let me be more specific. The marriage relationship between a man and a woman. 
That's the boundary. Outside the boundary, it's no longer good. And the evil one would shoot his flaming missile your direction to see that this is good. And he would take a little eraser and just get rid of those boundaries that God's established. You don't need those boundaries. You see, he likes to take things that are good in God's eyes and make them fuzzy. Erase them, if you will. Twist them to meet his needs, his ends. Remember that the missiles coming your way are intended to alter your mind, your behavior, your speech, your thoughts, your motivations, your actions. These fiery missiles are intended to uproot. They're intended to destroy. He's the father of lies. Remember, he came to steal, kill, and destroy. These missiles are going to do that. That's the intention behind them. They don't come advertising that's what they're going to do, but that's what they do. They are intended to place distrust in your mind about the one you profess to follow. And this is not a new scheme of his. We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, right? Chapter 3, verse 1, that, that crafty serpent. Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Genesis 3, verse 4. You will not surely die. Come on, Eve. You're not going to die. God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes are going to be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, from the beginning, the evil one has questioned God. He throws doubt. Listen, he throws doubt upon the word of God. He opens the door for discontentment with God. He's very good at this. He he assigns false motives to God. And he makes God out to be some domineering dictator. He denies God's word as true and he makes God out to be a liar. The flaming missiles date back to Genesis 3. Paul is describing an age-old problem right here in Ephesians 6. And men, the age-old problem, by the way, is defined as sin, right? Men and women today are still listening to the voice of the wicked one. Still listening. They are enamored with their eyes. They're filled with the fancies of the flesh. And they're led on to believe that their choices are going to be all right. How many men and women in the faith, have been blasted by one of these flaming missiles coming from the evil. The news media seems to take great delight, don't they? In parading around, promoting a Christian leader who falls. A church that's promoting a false gospel. A Christian who embezzles funds. A Christian who has an extramarital relationship. Church, it sickens me to hear the news of another Christian leader that's gone down in the battle. Another Christian has succumbed to the ways of the world. And it's right here where I just would like to just pause for just a moment and feel feel the need to insert 
and ask that you, if you're not doing it, to please pray for Ralph and me. What we're reading about here, neither one of us are above those, what we're talking about here in the text. This battle that we face is ongoing, and he's looking for the, listen, the evil one is looking for the greatest splash that he can make. And a leader is typically great material for the evil one. Makes great material. Gives him great headlines. But the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective, church. God hears the prayers of the righteous. And I would just ask that you would be in prayer for us each day. Your covering in prayer is a critical part of successfully navigating through the daily battle. Where is your faith? In whom is our faith? The Bible says the righteous shall live by his faith. And the righteous are called to walk by faith. You know, we need to remember Corinthians 10 verse 12. It says, let him who thinks he stands. Take heed lest he what? Fall. Let him take heed. See, temptations are going to come. None of us are exempt from temptations. It's how we handle them. It's what we do with them. And perhaps right here it's helpful to just once more read Where the origins of temptation come from. James chapter 1 verses 13 through 16. This is a very helpful passage to get a handle on these temptations. He says, let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But listen, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own what? Desires. When he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to what? Sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth what? Death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. See, the wiles and schemes and tactics of the devil are brought to light right here in verse 16. They are captured as flaming missiles headed your direction. He is the prince of the power of the air, the one who holds sway here on earth, albeit for a limited time. In case this is somewhat frightening to you, I would encourage you to take heart and to know and to recognize as we sing in the song that one little word shall fell him. You remember that song? A mighty fortress is our God. One little word shall fell him. I love that line. That word, remember, is above all earthly powers. Above all earthly powers. Greater is he who is in you than is in the world. Question, who is he who resides in you? Is it not the Spirit of God? If you have Christ in your life, if you are, have that righteous standing we spoke of a few weeks ago, you are in Christ, you have the deposit, the earnest payment of the Holy Spirit residing and dwelling within you, You are called to remember to be continually strengthened in the Lord and in the power of his might. That power for the believer, church, comes to us by way of the spirit who's been poured out into our hearts. And it's that power. That power is what the believers in Acts chapter 1 
They were called to wait for that power from on high, weren't they? And that power was to be accessed and used as a what? As a witness, Acts 1.8. That power was to be used as a witness to Jesus. Church, perhaps as, as we read Acts 1.8, perhaps we, we've only equated your, the witness to sharing the gospel with a stranger or with a good friend. That's no doubt part of your witness. But isn't it also true that your witness to Jesus is seen in the context of daily living? Your witness to Jesus? Are you standing in this battle? Are you trying to fight absent of the Holy Spirit? It's His power that enables you to stand. It's His power that enables you to fight. His power that enables you to be an effective ambassador. Ever, ever, even amidst this day of evil when the missiles are coming. See, His power is greater and stronger than any missile headed your direction. That's the good news. We have no need to fear. Because the power that he's given to us, being in Christ, that power is greater and stronger than any power that's flying in our direction from the evil one. All the more reason to take up the shield of faith, church. We need to also know this, and this is also good news. There is no temptation that's overtaken you, except which is common to man. But God is faithful. You might underline that. 10, it's Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape. That you may be able to bear it. You see his power is not only for defensive purposes. But from what I read in the scriptures. Faith is active and it's work. It's offensively potent. It does have some offensive use. How do I know? 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. You know what it is? Our faith. I was reminded of that second stanza, and faith is the victory. His banner over us is love, our sword, the word of God. We tread the road, the saints above, with shouts of triumph trod. That's Hebrews 11, those who have gone before us. By faith, they like a whirlwind's breath swept on over every field. The faith by which they conquered death is still our shining shield. Faith is the victory. You see, this, uh, this last week, I was, I was drawn. It's, it's really interesting how the Lord works in these ways. But the Lord had me camped out in Genesis 22 this week. And I believe for good reason. Abraham's faith is put to the test in that chapter as he's called to take his son, his only son, the son whom he loves, Isaac, remember? And offer him on the altar of sacrifice as a burnt offering. And we see in James chapter 2 that faith without works is what? Dead. It's dead. James chapter 2 uses two Old Testament people, Rahab and Abraham, who integrated their faith and their works together. Abraham is seen as a doer of God's word. He's willing to follow what God has asked of him and called him to do. His faith, which is detailed in Genesis 15, verse 6, is fulfilled in Genesis 22. You see, he believed in Genesis 15, verse 6, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. In Genesis chapter 22, God calls him to the land of Moriah to offer his son. And when he has his son bound and he lays him on top of the wood and he's outstretched hand with knife in hand, the Lord from heaven speaks and says, now I know. Now I know. 
You've not withheld from me your only son. You see, it was his faith, his, the works, his faith, his belief in Genesis 15, 6, but his works, his ability to do what God told him to do. He worked that out in Genesis 22. He passed God's final exam. This is instructive. He's put forward as a man who is justified by works, not by faith only. Friends, your faith is seen in your works. Faith without your works is dead. Faith without obedience to God is not really faith. Faith is trusting in God. It's relying upon Him. It's surrendering yourself to His will regardless of what He has to say. The Bible says that His commands are not burdensome. Keeping His commands, in fact, is evidence of the love of God in us. And the psalmist says in Psalm 119.97, Oh, how I love your law. It's the meditation of my heart all the day. The devil, listen, the devil is going to try to knock you off course. He's already tried yet this morning. He's already flying missiles at you even as you sit in your chair. He's flying missiles at you. He's trying to distract you from thinking about what's going on right here with the word open. He's trying to distract you. He's trying to get you to think about what you're going to do for mom later today. Praise God, you love your mom. You're going to do something special for mom today. But he's trying to distract you. He's going to try and thank you about, hey, what we're going to have for lunch today and all this thing. What do you got going on this week? He's going to try and distract you. He's done that this morning. Another one of the missiles that he tries to use on Sunday morning, and it's effective. He does it a lot on Sunday morning. It's that missile that, that it's, it's like the drowsiness missile. You ever been hit by one of those? A drowsiness missile? You know what it does, the effect of it? It closes your eyes. It tunes you out. Gone. A missile comes. See, he is at work. And these missiles that he brings your way, he's trying to knock you off course. He's, he's trying to schedule. He's, he's scheduling some missiles this afternoon, probably. He's, he's going to be scheduling in the evening hours tonight, more than likely. And he, he's going to have some come on Monday morning. What a great time to launch missiles Monday morning. Huh? Amen? Monday morning. Monday morning missiles. They're coming. And they're going to come on Tuesday. They'll come Wednesday. They'll come Thursday. They come Friday. Oh, they always come on Friday. But they especially, I think he's got a special brew of missiles ready, lined up for Saturday. A heavy assault comes on Saturday, the night that you prepare for meeting in the Lord's house. You can be sure he's got plenty of missiles ready to go on Saturday night. So take up the shield of faith. No that with this shield of faith, the quantity and the quality of the missiles coming your way are powerless. <laughs> I love it. You will be able to extinguish them. <sighs> Realize that with this shield of faith, you are enabled by his power in you. You are enabled to extinguish all of the flaming missiles coming. The missiles are coming. And as a child of Most High God, you can be sure they're coming. Missiles to cloud your thinking. Missiles to put you in a bad mood. Missiles intended to steal your joy. To take out your frustration on your own flesh and blood. Your spouse. Your children. 
Missiles intended to drive a wedge in your marriage relationship. Missiles that are coming to make a dent in your relationship with your children. Missiles that cause you to be discontent with life. Missiles that raise doubt about who God is. Missiles that cause you to fear. The flaming missiles are coming. In fact, one writer says this. He says, in the devil's quiver, there are all kinds of fiery bolts. All kinds. To use a phrase from the scripture. But God, but God in his infinite wisdom has given to you this shield of faith as protection in the battle. He's provided another piece of armor to help you stand against the evil one. So our job is to put it on, to take it up, take it up with intent to what? Use. Take up the shield of faith. God has given it to his children to use daily. I was drawn to the paraphrase of the Living Bible. Sometimes it's helpful just to read it. Just to get, it's a paraphrase. I know that it's a paraphrase. Hopefully you know it's a paraphrase too. But sometimes it's helpful just to read it and have some understanding. I like the, what it says about this verse. It says, in every battle you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. In every battle you need the shield. Psalm 144 verses 1 and 2. It says, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. My loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge. Praise him today that he serves as your defense, your strong tower, your shield. He's given to you everything you need for godliness and life. He's given to you all the pieces of armor that you need to stand in the evil day. Take it up and let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this shield of faith. And Father, I pray that we would take up this shield of faith each day, that we would walk in the light that you've given to us, that we would walk in a way that would trust and depend upon you for all of our living. Father, as we embrace the truths of the scripture, I pray that we would not just hold them and lock them inside our our brains as facts, but as Abraham serves as our model here, that we would take the faith that we know that we've been entrusted with and that we would combine that faith with works. And we can do that, Lord, as we have been given this power And the Holy Spirit, this power that is going to enable us to walk by faith, even in the midst of these flaming arrows and missiles that come our way. Father, we thank you that you are a God who covers and protects us, a God who guards us, a God who is watching over us. Father, we thank you that your mighty power is stronger and greater than anything that can come our way. May we stand in that. May we stand in the truth and in the promise that we will be able to quench these flaming missiles that come our way. And Father, may we be quick to then give you praise because God, you are a great God. You are a faithful God toward us. And we say thank you for that this day. Thank you for the truth of your word. May we carry the truth of your word with us as we stand, as we walk together in this battle. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.